Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And guys, let's jump right into it. National Signing Day, just a couple days away. Jerry, what can Texas expect, if anything? Uh, first off, CJ's taking the morning off. He'll be back tomorrow, um, just so, uh, for everybody to know that. Look, it's... Uh, Wednesday, February 7th, the forgotten signing day, Bobby Burton. I don't even people may not even know it's here this week, really, unless you're an Alabama fan. I mean, that's the reality. Um, Ryan Williams signed with Alabama this week. A couple other guys have made some decisions. Amari Williams out of uh, the Jupiter area going to FSU. Two guys that reclassified from 25 to 24. But yeah, it's the forgotten date. I mean, that's where we're at in this college football recruiting process. But here's the reality for Texas. On the at the end of the day on the seventh, Texas will have signed then probably the number six ranked class when all is said and done. Could they slide to seven? Possibly, pro- probably six. That means three straight top six classes signed by Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, and the staff at the University of Texas. So tip of the cat on that. I mean, there's the list of teams that have signed three straight top six classes. You're talking Alabama, you're talking Georgia, you're talking Ohio State. So you think the program's headed in the right direction in recruiting? I would say it is. So always remember that when some of these guys come off the board early as Sark will continue to play that long game, 17 early enrollees in this class. 17 guys already on campus. Uh, CJ had a post on ontexasfootball.com Sunday on uh, with some notes on team notes. A lot of those freshmen are already uh, – Bobby's mentioned some guys, Ryan Wingo, Xavier Filsamee, um, CJ mentioned Wardell Mack. Colin Simmons is up 15 pounds. Alex January's down about 10 pounds. So we're hearing, starting to hear more and more about some of these freshmen. I was told that Daniel Cruz, Brandon Baker doing great in the offseason work early on. Uh, so a lot of these guys, um, you know, they're what they expected uh, when they when they signed these guys, and now they're on campus. But signing day Wednesday, I don't know how what we're going to have to talk about, really, Bobby, but <laughs> – We'll be talking about we'll kind of go over the class and and what makes this class another uh, big time one. I, I I have to agree with you, dude. I, I absolutely have to agree with you because I I woke up this morning thinking that I'm missing something. <laughs> I, I I spent the first 25 years of my professional career seriously that like April 15th. Everybody knows that's tax day, right? Okay, the first Wednesday in February. If if you're an accountant, it's April 15th, right? Well, the first Wednesday in February for me, that was that was Christmas. That was account. That was tax day. That was all of it rolled into one. And now I'm sitting here thinking, what are we going to what are we going to talk about on Wednesday? Um, Because it is crazy, in my opinion, uh, just how much the worm has turned. And now it's all about the December signing period. And I think part of that, Jerry, leads to this whole issue with Texas and other teams. Okay. 
that they have as far as everything happening in December and then the bowl games. I mean, not only are they playing big, the championship games, then they go into the portal, then they're having the first signing day. They need to do something about the December signing day to alleviate some of that uh, pressure because I, I think – you know, even you can say, well, why do they have it in February? They, the coaches were working too hard. Now you can just push it back to February and it yeah. would change it. Put, push it back or push it forward. They well, they need to adopt the basketball model. This has been wrong. I, I've any Anytime I've had a chance to pontificate about it, I've said this has been wrong from the start. There should not be a December signing period for high school kids. It should be late July before uh, high school, college practices start. And I think 20 to 30% of kids would actually use that sign-in period. But those are the kids that are going to school X come hell or high water. They don't care. They're locked in. If you're going to have spring official visits, and now college coaches can go do, there's no more bumps. They can go do a 30-minute type of in-school visit with kids and families in the junior class, what Sark and all these college coaches have been doing. It makes no sense to make kids wait until December to sign. If you know where you want to go, you absolutely know where you want to go, then you should be able to sign in late July before your senior season starts when you make that decision. And I know the argument is, well, what about all the early enrollees? The early enrollees, they, it doesn't change anything there. But then they need to back the second signing period up to February. And I think 70% of kids would then wait until February. But that percentage would be so much lower. So many kids are early enrollees nowadays. So you'd probably be sitting at about 25, 30% of kids sign in late July. And then you'd have a bulk of those kids who are midterm enrollees who sign their scholarship papers, have their little special day at their high school anyways. They did it at Cy Fair. I was at Trey Owens. It wasn't around the signing day. The kids, they had a they had a, a, a signing day celebration. They had a celebration, they call it, for four kids going to play college football. None of them signed that day. But Trey was an early enrollee, so they did it that day. The other kids signed in February. I mean, or signing tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, I should say. So that's the way this process should be. Uh, it's what makes sense with what the accelerated recruiting calendar for college football. I just, I, I've never understand the December signing period. It makes no sense to me, especially now with the portal. Teams get now you're gonna have a 12-team playoff, Bobby. You're gonna have 12 teams getting ready for playoff games around signing day in December. It can't stay this way. You've got to do something. Got to, got to do something. I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, add it to the list of crap that the NCA is going to have to address and, uh, you know, whether or not this uh, advisory committee takes not only that into consideration, but so much other stuff that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to have to, SEC are going to, have to talk about. Because, frankly – it impacts those big name schools more than it does the other ones. Uh, it's just, and then you even have the smaller ones, you know, getting upset. I mean, St. John's and Rick Patino went off this weekend on NIL. Well, I mean, so what does that have to do with college football, which is your, your number one uh, revenue sport? It doesn't, but even the smaller schools that are pl- trying to play in D one in a certain sport, are getting upset about it. And so uh, there's a trickle-down effect there. And I think that that the SEC and the Big Ten are doing the right thing by getting after it right now and trying to figure out a way uh, to manage uh, major college football. That's really what it gets down to. And signing day is just another one of those issues uh, that they have. Hey, Jerry, I've got to ask you before we get going, 
uh, on Melvin Hills. Yeah. The defensive lineman out of uh, uh, Lafayette that signed with the Longhorns. You put you posted something yesterday that kind of went unnoticed, I think, un, unnecessarily unnoticed, if I say it the right way. That, you know, is Texas still in that? I mean, I know he signed with Texas, uh, but you actually reported and, and broke the news that Kenny Baker, the defensive line coach, went to see him on on Friday. T- talk to fans a little bit about what's going on there right now. Yeah, I, I called Melvin um, Sunday just to check in with him, see where things were at with him, because I know he's still, you know, through this defensive line change, you know, he's had some questions, as any kid would, right? I mean, Alex Jr. is an early enrollee, so he's, he, he's past that process. Uh, but for the guys that signed early and, and weren't early enrollees in Melvin Hills, obviously DeAndre Robinson flipped to uh, Florida. Um, but w- for Melvin Hills, he was kind of waiting to have a conversation with Kenny Baker. It happens that that conversation wasn't even over the phone. Kenny Baker was in Lafayette Friday to sit down and talk with Melvin Hills, um, which I think was a very smart thing to do. And what Melvin told me from that conversation was, Kenny Baker told him that he would probably start his career playing on the edge at end. Uh, he's up to 280 pounds and how quickly he adds that weight would be determined when he would move in to be an interior player. What was interesting about that conversation is Melvin then told me that he's supposed to schedule or supposed to talk to Steve Sarkeesian this week, which still left it open-ended kind of if Melvin his final decision will be Texas, or will he ask for it a release? I think if the conversation goes well, I think Melvin wants to be at Texas. I think Kenny Baker alleviated some concerns he had. He you know, he said the same thing that some of the 2025 guys I've talked to have said. He really liked the energy in person, um, the kind of that excitement he has uh, for coaching. It's similar to Shard Choice, but not many people have to Shard's personality, to be clear. Um, so I think that alleviated – some concerns, answered some questions. I think this conversation with Steve Sarkeesian, whenever that happens, will kind of be the final piece of if Melvin Hills will uh, be at Texas or if he would ask for a release. But I think right now things, I think that was a positive conversation for Texas with Melvin Hills. Well, it's good to know. I mean, he, they hadn't been by yet. Right. And so that, that that's good that Baker made it a point to go get, go and see him. Yeah, no question about it. Hi guys, well, we've talked about 2024, but what about 2025 recruiting? I know, like, you know, Ole Miss, for example, expecting KJ Lacey to come on campus this past weekend. Did that happen? And are there any other things that Texas fans should be worried about when it comes to the current crop commitments? No, I think so. One of the things that KJ Lacey did not make that trip, he was actually photographed with Tavondre Sweat at the uh, um, at the senior bowl there in Mobile. He also had a workout. Uh, last weekend uh, with QB country kind of around the senior bowl. Um, so KJ Lacey has been working with uh, David Morris there at QB country since I think he was in the third grade, same as Arch Manning, by the way. Uh, so KJ stayed in the mobile area over the weekend, but look, we're at that point in time where you're going to see guys on campus. Well, you can, you're not in February, but again, in March around these seven on seven tournaments, there's a big seven on seven tournament in Vegas over the weekend. Some kids that played on some teams there ended up taking an unofficial visit to the USC around that. Uh, Brandon Brown, one of those guys. You're going to see this with these seven-on-sevens. I was talking to uh, a Houston area team uh, Sunday over at C.E. King. They He's taking the entire team on a visit to A&M and on a visit to Texas in March. That Texas visit will be March 22nd. Is Texas recruiting all those kids? No, they're not. Are they recruiting Coyote Armstrong and Kosi Apala, the 2026 linebacker? 
Uh, Javar Thomas, they just offered the 2025 linebacker on that team. Yes. So that's you're going to start to see this. And I know fans will see on social media, Player X visiting this school. A lot of this is around the seven-on-seven tournaments in those areas. And we'll be around using that to get kids to watch a spring football practice, which is all good in recruiting to me. I, I got to be honest that that actually <clears throat> that actually tells me that that's actually a good thing that's happening in that the seven on seven football community if they're doing that because a lot of times in basketball, Jerry, you know they have these AAU tournaments everywhere. They don't go see the schools necessarily. You know what I mean? So some uh, I, I actually applaud uh, some of the the seven on seven coaches for doing that. I, I really do because I think that makes it more meaningful, right? I mean, those kids are paying money to go and do, play in all these tournaments, you know, get them to see some colleges too along yeah. the way. So yeah. I actually applaud, applaud those guys. All right, Bobby, you, uh, you, you put a note on, on texasfootball.com this morning over on the forums about personnel changes, uh, what Texas fans can expect as far as off the field hires. Can you give folks the rundown on that? Yeah, absolutely. So as of two weeks ago, Bob, Billy Glasscock was going to move into a GM role at the University of Texas. Uh, whether it was going to be called a GM or, or what have you, I don't know. Um, but what I'm being told right now is that Brandon Harris is likely to move into that same role uh, and be elevated. He was the director of recruiting. He will move up. Okay. Likewise, John Michael Jones, who is currently the assistant director of player personnel will become the director of player personnel. That's what I'm being told right now. Whether all of that happens this week or in the coming week or two, I'm not sure uh, in large part because a lot of the coaches are off this week. They're not, they're not even going into the office. Uh, not now, not all of them, but some of them are taking mini vacations to go see the family uh, or go take, you know, the, the, the wife and kids out for a vacation they're trying to use this time because they are uh, – th this is a slow time for them. Next week, though, it starts back up in, in full with recruiting. Recruiting is ongoing, so you can take a phone call if you're sitting on the slopes of right. – I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Tell me where. But yeah. you can take a phone call. It keeps going on. Uh, but I'm hearing that those two guys will be elevated. Uh, I even confirmed that further this weekend. But into what position exactly and how Sark – Steve, Coach Steve Sarkeesian uh, opts to term that, or if he adds another piece to the puzzle, no, no, no real definitive idea there yet. But I do believe those guys are going to be elevated. Brandon Harris has been around Steve Sarkeesian since the very get-go. He is the person that he he tabbed to go on the road for him when Bo Davis left. Uh, Harris has been integral in recruiting from the get-go uh, for Sark at Texas and. Uh, I think it's clearly it's, he's one of the guys that's in that circle of trust, if you want to put it that way. Uh, uh, as far as John Michael Jones, he has been a um, guy that's been behind the scenes for a long time, a graduate of the University of Texas, uh, and helped start, helped kickstart, along with Bob Shipley, uh, the uh, walk-on program at the University of Texas. It's now become a much bigger and better thing over the years. Um, and uh, so he's going to... Uh, likely move into that director of player personnel role. Very interesting. All right, guys, before we move on to some questions, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely. John's a proud Texas X's Life member who has served more than 15 years as a Texas X's board member. His wife and all six of John's siblings are also proud UT grads. 
It's this deep connection to UT that led John to brand his firm, Longhorn Wealth, and dedicate it to providing total wealth management for Texas alums, employees, family, and friends. The Longhorn Wealth team wants to welcome Jerry Hamilton back to coffee and football, as it is so great to have his expertise and passion back to on the On Texas football team. Speaking of expertise and passion, that is exactly what John wants to bring to the table as a certified financial planner. He has spent more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. Give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net for a free 90-minute consultation to explore how they can help you maximize and protect your tax-efficient retirement income. Thanks, John. Uh, I like the shout-out there to you, Jerry Hamilton. Uh, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much, John Donovan. Rocky Poor is making me laugh for one of his comments in the <laughs> comment section. So, uh, Seiko asked if I heard anything about 2027 quarterback recruiting. I have not yet, but I did run across a 2026 quarterback Sunday at 7-on-7, seven seven, Grant Smith at Grand Oaks. Uh, new, relatively new school up in spring, 6'3", 205, has seven offers. I think Baylor, Cal, TCU, SMU, some of those have offered him. Uh, I was told that A.J. Milwee is going to be by to evaluate him in person in May during the spring evaluation period, 6'3", 205, 10.5-inch hands. Uh, he, he's a pretty talented thrower, the foot passer, the football. Father was a linebacker at Sam Houston State, so has a little bit in the bloodline. So that's a 2026 uh, What's his name again? What's Grant, his name again, Jerry? Grant Smith at Grand Oaks High. So he's Grant. one of the guys that they're evaluating in 2026. All right, y'all. We have a super chat from Burt Reynolds Jr. Thank you, Burt. And he says, "Who's the most underrated player on Ooh. the 2024 roster?" Ooh, it's a good question. Um, Gunner Helm comes to mind a little bit. Maybe he was Jake Majors. Uh, could be Hayden Connor. I mean, he started two years now, Jerry. Uh, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna go with the different one. I was thinking that in that, I was actually gonna go with Cole Hudson because he's battled through injuries, but we're still talking about a guy who started 13 games as a freshman, and when he was healthy, was splitting reps with DJ Campbell while DJ was getting acclimated to a starter's role. I just wonder if Cole Hudson can stay healthy. And if they if that opens up the possibility to work Hayden Connor at some right tackle as be the third tackle a little bit next year, Cole Hudson could be a guy for me because he's also could be your backup center headed into the season. Defensive line, what do you say about somebody like Vernon Broughton? He really came on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he I think he is uh under but these are starters, so it's hard for me to you know, Austin Jordan, I think, has a chance to play more this year. Um, just trying to think of under underrated. Baron Sorrell would be that guy, but he's, I mean, he started two years, Jerry. Right. He's going to be a three-year starter. Yeah. Um, Justice Finkley, maybe. I thought he played better this year, especially late in the year. Um, you know, that that's interesting. Justice Finkley is a guy, Jerry. I want to talk about this for a second if you have a chance, because I – I thought about it the other day and I didn't follow up on it. I thought Justice Finkley was maxed out a little bit coming out of high school. He was so well prepared yeah. and so physical in it. You know, he attacked the weight room like a champ right out of the gate, just like an adult, like a, a uh, not an adult, but more like an experienced player. I didn't know that he had any more 
improvement left in him. But I think we saw some late in the year, this past year. I, yeah. I think we saw, I don't know if it was a light bulb come on with him or an un, a better understanding of what he was trying to do and use his ability. But I thought he played better the latter half of this year. Can, can I throw one out? I didn't necessarily know he had it in him. Can I, I say, ask for the 24 season? I'm going Silas Bolden. I, I had to think about this because of all the guys Texas got in the portal, he's kind of the least talked about guy, him and Kendrick Blackshaw, right? Um, because he was out at Oregon State, and I think people, you know, they know the numbers, but return game, had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, he is fast. He is physical. He plays bigger than what he's listed at. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this offense with the personnel that are going to be around him. That's going to help make this a faster, more explosive offense in a lot of ways in the passing game. I'm going Silas Bolden. Fair. Uh, Ross, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, Blake. You, you don't get out of this. You, <laughs> Blake. You, you don't get to just get out of this and be the – Oh, I mean, I kind of like the Gunner Hellmancer too. But I don't know. I mean, that, that's a tough, very, very tough question. I I, I want to go with whoever the punter is. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know who that is. Yeah. Um, Maybe Maurice Blackwell could be another one. Yeah. I, I, by, by, by the way, Burt Reynolds Jr. had a good question there. Because it kind of piggybacked off what we were talking about the signing period. I think it was about eight. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up. <clears throat> so this is the way I see the early signing period to answer that question. I think 80% of kids would be committed, but only 30% would sign. And of those 50 other percent of kids that were committed, at least a third of those are going to be early enrollees anyways. So th that's the word, kind of the way I see it. I, I think it would be 30 25%, 30% of kids sign early. But I still think you'd see all those kids commit early before their senior season. But if you're not an early enrollee, you just don't sign until February. Yeah, that, That's kind of my thinking behind uh, the early signing period. I, I still think a lot of kids want to have their decision. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 60% of kids would sign in, in late July. If you've been through the process – Right, Bobby? And you've taken five, six, seven official visits. Who knows nowadays how many you take? And you've made six, four, three, four, five unofficial visits to these schools because the recruiting process starts so early. You've essentially had an in-home visit with, with, Coach, with Coach Sark or whoever in spring of your junior year. I mean, would more kids, would it get to 40, 50 percent of kids sign early? It could. Uh, but I, I know this is if 30 percent of your class signed early, that's seven guys that the staff doesn't have to recruit like they're uncommitted. I think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to get to choose. I think that the, the SEC and the Big Ten, I think, are going to get together and create a new set of rules. And it's going to include, because the NCAA is going to be forced to, player bargaining. I mean, the players are going to have a, a say in that. And, like, I don't necessarily think that's bad, by the way. Like the players would be, if they get a piece of the pie, they would be willing to give up some of this, you know, portals stuff. Yeah. Don't, I mean, people say, oh, well, they can't have the portal this, 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 this. 
look, if you give them a piece of the pie, they give you something in return. Okay. And that could be like, I, can you imagine being Alabama right now? I mean, seriously, on top of the football world for the last 15 years, your coach come, a new coach comes in and your roster disintegrates. Now you still have some guy. I mean, you got a, some really good guys coming back. Don't get me wrong. But my point being, what happened if that happened to Texas? Oh, yeah. We'd be, it'd be cataclysmic here. And, you know, should should players, if, if there is a financial tie between an institution and a player, should a player be able to just leave if he's got financial fiduciary duty to the, to the university? No, it doesn't matter who the coach is. I would argue for that, like, you can't just leave just because there's a new head coach. Right. Agreed. That's, that's, that's bogus. And so I, I think that uh, I think that by giving what they probably rightfully deserve, right, you get something in return. That's the same with the NFL. I mean, it's the same in every major league sport. They give something, you get something. That's that. And hopefully some sort of, to Jerry, your point, that's inclusive of recruiting. Uh, it's got to be part of it because, look, the, the I, I talked to a legal expert over the weekend about this uh, attorney general in the state of Tennessee and Virginia against the NCAA. And what was very interesting about that conversation is, first of all, the NCAA is completely going to get hosed. And they know it. You know, basically, this is this is the state's attorney generals of those two states knowing they have them by the, they have the NCAA by the short hairs. Okay. And they're going to take, take, they're going to take it all the way. And the NCAA is saying, well, we don't want it to cause chaos in our game. That's not how the, that's not how it works. If you're wrong, you're wrong and you deal with the wrongness. Right. But see, it's the NCAA wanting to piecemeal this all together again. And so they're going to get obliterated in my opinion, from based on what, what I was told. Okay. Furthermore, uh, what what all this ties back into is that's this is all about recruiting. It's really all about recruiting. Yeah. I mean, what other place if, if if you're think about you and your job, Jerry and, and Blake, your job, what other place of business do you go where you don't consider how much you're going to be paid? Everybody here, if you're taking a job and you're making 50 grand a year, and somebody's offering you 80, you're probably going to go do the 80, right? Or if you're making 50 and somebody offers you 30, you're like, no, I don't want to go there after all. That That's, there's no other. And, and so the problem the NCAA has, it's all about scholarship in their opinion. But we've been told now the NCAA, the, the Supreme Court is saying it don't work that way. But they're still trying to shoehorn their ideas in inappropriately. All right, guys, we have a super chat from Lee Barden. Uh, he says, if sharing revenue with players is coming, then drop funding for school tuition, hours, and books, etc. Y'all thoughts? Great job as always. And hook off. I, 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 to add to that, won't they also be then employees of the state? Potentially. Potentially. Um, and uh, I think that, like, in, I, people don't realize this. In the NFL, NFL players don't just pay state tax in the state of, I don't know if you're a Dallas Cowboy, okay? 
There are no there are no state taxes in the state of Texas, right? But do you know that if you play a game in, I don't know, Kansas City, you're going to pay Missouri taxes? Wow. NFL players have to file in all of those jurisdictions. I did not know that. that. Where they play a game. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and so uh, will they be employees? They don't necessarily, there's a way that they don't have to be employees. They could be contractors. Um, and uh, the, the whole, what, what does this do to Title IX? I mean, that gets into a different, a totally different discussion that I don't have. Frankly, I don't, I don't have the capacity to understand even. I have the capacity to understand it. I don't have the wherewithal to go into all the uh, the the nuances of it. My my take on it though is they don't have to have room and board and all of that other stuff, scholarship, etc. If they're paid, but will they likely do that? Yes, because that fits the the mission of the universities they're attending. Is my opinion. So I, I don't see them taking that away simply because. That's the mission of the universe. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Okay, guys, we are going to jump over to the ontexasfootball.com forums and take a question. And, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I'm just going to read it because I don't know what happened. Uh, Pocono Longhorn says, are there any highs in our near future, Jerry? I know Sark plays the long game, but I'm getting annoyed that other schools are cashing in. Well, I think there's a lot of – I think schools are being aggressive, especially in the state of Texas, because they now know that what, that Sark has momentum and he's going to play the long game. I think that's smart. Uh, if you're in a good position, uh, if you're in Oklahoma, to push on some guys uh, to try to get them in the boat early. I think look for Texas. I'm not saying somebody couldn't commit here in February. But I think you really want you're going to see Texas continue to evaluate. There's some guys they would absolutely take if these kids just decided they wanted in their process tomorrow. They could call. They could make the call for sure. Uh, we're not arguing that. But I think around the spring football practices for Texas, I threw out the date March 22nd earlier. Coyote Armstrong, some of those guys, some seven on seven teams that are going to be playing in a Austin area tournament the 23rd, 24th. They're expecting uh, to to be on campus come. March 22nd. I think that's a time when you could see during these spring uh, practices, maybe a timeline or two or three of kids change potentially and maybe get a decision out of the way earlier. But a lot of these kids, I mean, this process is pushes towards making your June official visits and deciding before your senior season um, with NIL and everything around the recruiting calendar. That's the way this sets up for the majority of prospects. I mean, you're going to see some guys commit early, 
Um, yes, but the majority of the guys are still going to stick to that July timeline to announce their decision before their senior uh, season begins. Hey, Jerry, I, I got to follow up because we talked about it last night on the live stream. OU right now is making a push for several prospects. They're trying to ex uh, accelerate the process. Whereas this, I think, is what the, the reader or uh, watcher was, was discussing. OU is trying to accelerate the process on certain players. We talked about it last night. It's in direct contrast to what Texas is trying to do. Do you think that's the right tactic for OU, given that, you know what, they, they don't have a lot of momentum right now unless it's self-created momentum? No, I, I think Oklahoma, that is, if, if you're recruiting in Texas, I, I think they're, they're doing the right thing. If there's four, five, six guys you feel like you're in a good position for even position and you've had those kids on campus in January and you make that push, and if you can get those guys in the boat, you get them in the boat knowing that they could still make an official visit elsewhere in June. I think that's absolutely the right plan if you're Oklahoma recruiting in Texas, especially knowing that Sark's playing the longer game, right? They haven't come out and set up a lot of guys with June official visits. I know Michael Fasusi, Tyler Thomas at Dickinson, Marcus Harris at Modern Day. That last weekend in June has been talked about with those guys. Um, so that – John Mills, the offensive lineman from St. Ignatius in San Francisco, told me Sunday a June official visit. He can't make that last weekend in June because his parents are going to be out of the country, uh, but he's going to officially visit in June. So Texas is really targeting June with the majority of their guys. And Oklahoma knows this. And you've seen A&M try to get as many kids on campus early in January as possible after that coaching change to get those guys uh, in, in some in-person time with Mike Elko and his staff after that staff change. So I think you combine what Sark does, you combine what A&M's doing uh, while they're still getting their feet on the ground there. And I think Oklahoma is doing absolutely the right thing for recruiting in Texas. I, the, the reason I ask is that Ryan Foji, we haven't mentioned this, yeah. uh, announced uh, that he's a big offensive lineman out of Cypress, Bridgeland, that Texas offered on January 20th. He committed to OU yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so – there's some momentum there that they're trying to push, go ahead and push guys to commit while Texas, they know Texas is going to play that long game. Yeah. And with Foji is an interesting one. And this is where we're talking about if Oklahoma is even or ahead with the kid, they're making that push. Foji was a guy, and you tip your hat to Bill Biedenball on this one. He was a 6'4, 230 pound defensive end as a sophomore on JV at Bridgeland. I was over at Bridgeland a few weeks ago. He's now 6'5, closing on 285. 16 years old, doesn't turn 17 until July. Oklahoma was his first offer last year before he was on the radar. That established a strong relationship with Ball and Venables with Foji. So it's those type of kids that they identified early. Um, they're making a, trying to make a push with Jonah Williams on the baseball slash football side right now. That's where Oklahoma is really working on Jonah Williams. But with Foji, you give you tip the hat. You give him credit. They identified a guy early. Bill Biedenbaugh identified a guy that said, this guy's got a chance to be really, really good. And I think Oklahoma's 100% right on that. If he's not a top 100 guy in the country, at the end of the day, I'll be surprised. His upside's really high. All right, guys. We have a uh, super chat from Rocky Poor. And Rocky Poor asks, how does Texas hold on to running backs coach to shard choice? Well, treat I think him right, treat him right. Yeah, that's how that's how you hold because he's got choices. Uh, excuse the pun. 
I look, mean, people people often say this, he's going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. I don't know about that. I think he can be a, a, a FBS head coach, kind of like Stan Drayton. Uh, and I'm not saying just the G5. I think the more success Texas has, uh, the more lower P5 jobs that could possibly open up for Tashar Choice. I think that's his next move. And look, if you're Sarkeesian, you want to win enough to where they want to hire your guys as head coaches. I mean, that means you have the right guys on your staff and you're having great success and you're having guys drafted and um, hiring Tashar Choice as the head coach at the Power, Power 5 School X. That's going to be promoted as he was a guy and a key figure in Texas making four straight college football playoffs and having eight running backs drafted and winning a national championship. That's all great things for the Texas program. I think head coach is his next move. I could be wrong. That's just what I think. I think that's possible. How do you retain guys like that, though? Um, There's a culture among coaching staffs, too. I mean, we talk about culture as it relates to the players and the team all the time. There's a reason so few people have moved. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I mean, you don't think Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, uh, you know, those guys don't have opportunities each and every year. There's, I mean, only Bo Davis now and the wide receivers coach. Only ones that have moved. Jeff Choke got a job. Stan Drayton got a job. And see, that's, that's going to be – that's the natural progression. I mean, that's kind of what you want. Yes. I – I'm, I'm ex- I, I think that Tashar Choice is a guy that uh, you got to treat. You got to treat people right as a coach. That's what you have to do. You have to pay them well, so there, there's not an incentive to go somewhere else, right? And then you know it, a lot of it's up to Tashar Choice too. He's got to be happy, right? And, and I think what we've seen him in January in photos more Steve Sarkeesian making those in-school visits, not just guys that he's recruiting in his area or his position. So it's clear he's taken on more of a role, more responsibility at Texas right now. And the good part of that is more Tashar choice in recruiting for Texas. The only negative part of that, it's going to accelerate his path to being a head coach. He starts putting him out there more and giving him more responsibility. I agree with that. And that's and Tashar choice wants to be a head coach. If he doesn't, what are you doing this for? He wants to be head coach. All right, y'all. Well, we have a new sponsor. And uh, Jerry, <laughs> I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about that new sponsor, Joy Mode. Joy Mode, guys. I think I speak for most men when I say we want to have better sex. And for the sake of our partner, we may need to have better sex. The issue is that over-the-counter erection pills contain unregulated chemicals suggest unsafe doses, and include the risk of several other health problems. That's why we've partnered with our friends at Joy Mode. Whether you're looking to spice up your intimate moments or increase your confidence in the bedroom, Joy Mode makes all natural and science-based supplements dedicated to helping men perform better across their core functions. The trademark product, the Sexual Performance Booster, is every man's solution for increased blood flow, firmness, stamina, and performance. It's like a pre-workout, but for sex. It comes in palm size packet, like your favorite electrolyte powder. Simply mix six to eight ounces of water, 45 minutes before sexual activity, and watch the magic unfold literally. Redefine your intimacy 
and go to usejoymode.com for 20% off with code ONTEXAS, all caps. That's 20% off and free shipping with code ONTEXAS at usejoymode.com. Ingredients with integrity. That's Joy Mode. Jerry, we waited for you to come back. They, they wanted to sponsor in January, and I said no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you, no one can read those like you, quite like you, my man. Oh, appreciate, man. appreciate you for doing that. Oh, the chat's loving it. Hey, Blake can keep Manscaped. I've moved on to Joy Mode. <laughs> <laughs> the chat is loving it. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we're going to go to this, to this super chat here to make Bobby feel a little more comfortable. Rocky Poor, thank you again, Rocky Poor. Uh, does it hurt us to have, does it hurt us that the staff isn't full of coaches with strong Texas ties? Hook them and welcome back, Jerry. It didn't hurt this year. Now, you know, I don't think it hurts at all. I, I think, I, I think Texas is, uh, I think this staff is popular with the head, the Texas high school coaching community. I, look, I, I go back to a conversation I had with the uh, former head coach, Steve Van Meter, uh, who happened to play for my dad. So I've known him for years and years. Uh, he was the head coach at Pflugerville Weiss. And, and I m went to school and saw him a couple of years ago. And we were talking about how a lot of college coaches come through, but not many guys will actually get on the board and talk football with you, where you feel like they're not just here for our players. But we actually learned something as a coach from the conversation and got something from the conversation more than telling them about our player. And he complimented Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Jackson for that when they came by Pflugerville Weiss and they were looking at Adrian, the receiver, 2025 receiver, 2026 lineman. But he gave them a big compliment that he felt like after the conversation with Steve Sarkeesian, he was a little better coach and there was something he was going to add to his program, his team, his offense. That's what these guys want. If a high school coaching staff will come in and not just come in and shake the hand, say, hey, where's your, where's your roster of prospects, have a 20-minute conversation about those guys and leave, you're in a really good spot as a staff. If you actually communicate football along with the guys you're recruiting, that's very popular with Texas high school football coaches, and that's what Texas staff is doing. Okay, y'all, this next question here is going to be from Jason Hernandez. And he says, the top five stars in Texas have committed elsewhere. What's going on there? It's hard to see other top talent from other states leaving those states, but it looks like ours still are. Well, he, I think that some a little bit of perspective uh, on this. Georgia's on top of the college football world. Even though they didn't win it this year, they won, what, 37 to 30? I, I lose track. Out of the top 10 prospects in the state of Georgia, they've signed – four, three, and four. So they're on the same trajectory Texas is on in the state of Texas. I think Texas signed three, four, three, whatever that number is, top 10 rankings, whatever rankings you want to use. So the reality is in the Atlanta metro area, in the state of Texas, I mean, you're not going to, the days of signing seven, eight of those guys, I think are over Bobby. And the difference is Matt Brown, when he was at Texas, his whole goal was to sign all the best top guys from Texas. Steve Sarkeesian's goal is to sign the best players in Texas or nationally at every position. And I think that's the difference. I mean, you just look at running back recruiting what they've done there. You know, they passed on some good players in state, gone for out-of-state guys. So I think it's just different approaches. But I think it's also more people moving in the state. Kids aren't as loyal, and that's Atlanta area. That's the state of Florida. That's Texas. That's certainly in California. 
So kids are, they're growing up different. They're seeing the world through seven on seven. All these visits, recruiting's changed so much. It's very interesting to me. Um, so I, I have this theory uh, that one of the reasons why people from the state of Texas are so loyal to the state of Texas is because they go through seventh grade Texas history. Everybody in seventh grade has to take Texas history in the state of Texas. And it's generally well taught by people, right? Because there it's an exciting subject. It's different, all this other stuff. Well, the parents of a lot of these players, now that they've all moved in, they didn't go through that. And so whether you mentioned the Atlanta metro area for the state of Georgia, Texas, Houston, and Dallas have just been, I mean, there are so many move-ins uh, from around the country, whether it's from California or Illinois or the Midwest, wherever, even the Northeast, that th there's not that endemic um, uh, endemic drive just for the state of Texas. The parents don't have it. You know, my I, look, I, I feel like if we if we really went out and looked at it, somebody and somebody brought it up, yeah. uh, Blake, in that that post. That uh that you had uh, put uh, put up, I just feel like there's not that kind of strong tie as there once was across every. Like I could have told you, sixty or seventy percent of people in Texas had a strong tie to the state of Texas. Now I'd say it's more like forty to fifty percent of the population. It's, it's just a different as as the population of the state grows and becomes bigger, and more and more people move in. And this has happened over the last. 40, 50 years, not just the last 10, by the way, there's less and less of a tie. I would also think this. I think there's one more piece to that in the Texas conversation. I think AM and Texas, that rivalry going away, did open up the state a little bit more, for sure. More than more than AM's move to the SEC. That game brought state pride. That rivalry game brought state pride. It was talked about year 365. 24-7, 365, and it hasn't for over a decade. And I think that coming back is a really good thing for the state of Texas. Texas A&M, Texas, both wanting to keep more kids home. I think creating that rivalry, again, is very on the field, is going to be very good for recruiting. Uh, you know, the other thing I would say to this, uh, guys, and, and you talk about that, I, I got asked to write a uh, forward uh, for a magazine this this coming it'll hit shells and heb and it's like a texas texas a&m football rivalry rekindled i mean you realize people they real this is a big deal i mean we we've kind of pushed it off because we've got more um recent things to worry about like you know who's who's texas recruiting or you know who's going to be the new gm or the new director of players we're we're in it in the moment the broader perspective, to Jerry's point, is, is is out there too. I mean, I'm sitting here writing an article about the rekindling of the rivalry that won't be up until mid-May or whenever it's going to be. But people, people in the state, just the general casual fan, not necessarily the hardcores like we have on here, right, that really know Texas football, et cetera. But the general casual fan, that that's a that's a – Big moment, the rekindling of that rivalry, and I, you know what, I'm I'm a hard I'm as hardcore as it, it happens, and I'm the same way. I'm ready for it. I think it's a 
bad that it happened in the first place, and I'm ready for it to get going again. Can't wait. Agree. All right, y'all. This next question here uh, is going to be from Jason, and he says that Texas is looking for versatility. Why wasn't there a a bigger push for Terry Busty? Just not a culture fit? Was there not enough room, or is it another reason? I think if you look at the slot receiver position for Texas, you have more. You have Ryan Niblett. Um, you bring in Silas Bolden. So I think that uh, Jonte Cook could even see some time there. Right? I, I think that's a position where Texas has numbers, has some guys on campus already. So maybe that didn't make as much sense for Texas. It, may, it has some of this, and that's a, another thing that plays into some of these uh, these recruiting the guys ranked in the top 10, Texas doesn't go on all these guys for various reasons. I mean, you know, you go on Arch Manning and you get Arch Manning. So, you know, Jackson Arnold, the top 10 ranked quarterback player in the state of Texas goes elsewhere, goes to Oklahoma, right? So you're going to remove three of those guys from your equation in every class. Maybe it's because Terry Bussey, Texas liked the slot receiver, but, oh, we're really, we really like our guys at that position. We're going to get somebody out of the portal. So maybe that doesn't fit our need as much as, Ryan Wingo on out, at outside receiver does. I mean, you, so I, I think those things play into it as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different tact on this. I think they may have misevaluated Terry Bussey early, Jerry. They they thought he was a corner, right, or a defensive back, and mm-hmm. recruited, him, recruited him as such. Um, and I think that you know he could have been he would he ultimately would have been at the top of their board at at at, at uh, slot based on what I've seen now. And, you know, so maybe they wanted him, maybe somebody wanted him as a corner and okay. that didn't start the recruitment off right. I mean, it happens. Yeah. But I think I think Terry Bussey's an excellent football player. And, and Texas, it, I want to I want to bust this bubble for everybody. No coach is perfect. No. No, no coach gets every uh, evaluation right. Jerry Hamilton doesn't get every no. evaluation right. Bobby Burton doesn't. Et cetera, et cetera. There can be mistakes, and I, I don't want to say that um, Terry Bussey was a mistake uh, in some ways. I think that it was a miscalculation. Maybe I think he's he is one of the top five players in the state of Texas, and I think he's I think he's going to play offense. And I think he's going to be tremendous. Now, is he going to be a top ten pick? I don't know about that because he no. doesn't have ideal size. He's not Jalen Waddle, right? And that's the that's the question. He's not very good player, though. Yeah, very, very good. good player. All right. Well, let's talk about another player uh, that Texas is recruiting. And Champ Bailey three says, "Jerry, it's Colby Sellers and OU lock. He seems to be all OU and hates Texas on Twitter. Could be all part of the recruiting game. However, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, if that's one that if OU makes the big red carpet roll out the red carpet push, that's where he's been leaning." um for a while so I I I think that is a legitimate um you know there was some when I was by Shadow Creek or earlier in December there was a point in time where Oklahoma maybe wasn't in contact as much as some other schools I think that's changed again now obviously Kobe Sellers has been to Oklahoma a number of times on unofficial visits Uh, but I think that's one where Oklahoma has been the favorite especially during the season and then we're going to talk about 25, uh, class of 25 DBs in general. Space City Wrangler says, I have a good read on every position group ex- for 25, except for the DBs. I had Antoine penciled in, but he's now LSU bound. What's the number for 25 and who are the coaches after? 
It's a great question. I, it's a great I, literally, I just texted Jerry, don't forget about Caleb Chester <laughs> from, from Fort, Fort Ben Marshall. Uh, Jerry, you wrote today that Cade Phillips, uh, young man out of the, the Houston area, not likely uh, for Texas because Texas hasn't offered. Right. Who are they really? I mean, Blake Gideon and Terry Joseph were both in Arizona this past week. Yeah. Um, they're going, they were in Atlanta. They're, I don't necessarily think they're just looking in Texas. No, they're not. And that's the thing they've offered a safe, they've offered safety out in the uh, Tampa area as well. Right. I mean, so uh, they've tried on DJ Pickett, the five-star, uh, safety out of that Tampa area in Zephyr Hills as well. Um, but yeah, I, I look, look in state. I mean, look, they just offered Cortland Guillory, a kid from Kalino and, and some of the problem with the accelerated recruiting process is those early rankings come out. So when a guy pops onto the uh, onto the uh, radar like a Cortland Giller at Klein Oak and he's not ranked by anybody, people are like, well, how good is this guy? Well, he's really good. Uh, Cortland Giller is really good. So my point is Texas is continuing to evaluate this position. Um, you look at a kid like Jaden Sanders at Kilgore who they brought in for the, uh, January 20 junior day, I think is a top 150 type kid in the country. I think he's tremendous. His offer list hasn't caught up with it yet, but I think it will. Obviously, his father was a really good player at TCU. His mom was a track, I think, All-American at Houston or three-time all-conference track uh, sprinter at Houston. So there's a lot of really good DBs in Texas this year. Texas hasn't even offered a guy. Like like you said, Cade Phillips was disappointed to get that offer January 20th at junior day, so it's setting up as more of an A&M versus LSU uh, type of recruitment right now. Uh, but look, Dorian Brewett-Conroe. Texas will recruit Jonah Williams probably through the whistle um, at Galveston Ball. Uh, and you can to go down that list. And they're in on a number of guys. I think they're going to have more offers this spring at this position ahead of January, June official visits. They've also offered a couple of guys out at Modern Day. Uh, so this is very much nationally recruiting at the uh, defensive back position. I would add one guy from uh, the state of Arizona, uh, Ryland Dillard, uh, Ryland Dillard Allen. Goes by Batman. Just remember that one uh, out of Mountain Point High School. There, well, he better be fast and good in coverage if you're going by Batman. I, 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 that, I don't want to speak for Rod Babers, but I have a feeling Rod would say something similar. Uh, I have a feeling that on his Twitter account, he put down that he ran an electronic 4.298 40 yard dash. He does have video of that on his Twitter. Yes, <laughs> that was indoors. He has the the screenshot of the actual. Uh, of the and that was indoors, so you can't say it was downwind. No. <laughs> Unless they have a great air conditioner. Let's <laughs> be one hell of an air but, but my point, and Jerry's point to the overall picture of DBs, we're used to looking so strong in state. We don't know how strong those ties yet are with some of those out-of-state guys. Yeah. Dorian Brew, Cortland Guillory, Caleb Chester. Could be, I, hey, they could be almost all Houston area guys, by the way, Jerry. Santana Wilson wasn't on the radar at this time last year. That's right. Publicly. Yep. Uh, Manuel Villafranco says, I get the long game that Sark and staff play with recruits, and that's okay. But does he generally get in on recruits later, later than usual compared to other schools? I think some, but uh, I think the majority they're they're on um, and they stay on those guys. But I think the one thing I like is that the evaluation process continues. Um, 
you know, you look just about the kids we talked about in Arizona there, that Terry Joseph, Blake Gidding went out to see those guys in January. The crazy thing is, where as accelerated as recruiting process is, now a January of 2024 offer feels late on 2025 prospects. And I don't think that's truly the case if you're a blue blood power program. I think Texas is working from a position of strength, and I think they know that. I think they know they have the ability to get more kids on campus. I think you saw that for the junior day, which there was 150 kids combined 2025-2026s, which to me was more of an evaluation event as much as it was a recruiting event. And then you're going to see it throughout the spring practices as well. Uh, so now I'm I'm not concerned at all about Texas recruiting. I'll say that um, I think they're doing a great job in the evaluation process, and I like that they're continuing to evaluate guys. Uh, Kenny Baker's just now getting started in 25 class. If he doesn't offer two or three guys in the Peach State, Georgia, at this spring, I'll be surprised because there's so many good D linemen in 25 in Georgia, his home state. If Texas doesn't offer a couple more guys in Florida, I'd probably be surprised. Uh, and but I think where Texas is coming from, making the playoff ahead of this move to the SEC, three straight top six classes, the notoriety of players in the program, the Arch Mannings, Quinns, all these guys, all the draft picks are about that. But you think Texas is selling recruiting now, wait until after the NFL draft this year on social media and when they go out for the spring evaluation period. I think I think Texas is doing exactly what I would be doing in recruiting. Now, we could be wrong, but that's the, they're taking the, the same uh, kind of mindset that I'd have if I were Texas right now. Okay, guys, Charles Walters says, is there any back channel credible chatting concerning the potential for some high-quality interior defensive linemen entering the transfer portal in April? If so, what are your opinions of Texas' chances of picking up one or two? That was well, I think question. I don't know about – look, they are going to be back channel communications nowadays with agents and whoever, okay, but can't be with uh, a direct person – for the University of Texas. Uh, that being said, I think it spoke volumes that Kenneth Grant, the defensive lineman out of Michigan, uh, followed Steve Sarkeesian and a number of other people uh, during right after Jim Harbaugh was let go and his strength and conditioning coach was deciding to go to the uh, Chargers as well. I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to have to wait until some guys enter the portal. Though. I, I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, Texas is all in on the idea of grabbing a big-time player, into an interior player on the def- defensive line, and maybe not just one. So they're they're look, they think they have a window right now. Texas does, and they're going to try to exercise that, and they do. I'm just gonna. They've got two quarterbacks, guys. Probably three. The next three to four years for Texas is a window. You have. Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. If that's not a window that you can compete with anybody, I don't know what to tell you. So you better you better get ready. You don't have those kind of quarterbacks each and every year. We've seen that for a decade plus. That's a rare opportunity for anybody. So, yeah, they're going to be aggressive. Uh, are they aggressive right now? It, you can't. You can't. You have to wait for that player or players to enter the portal. Okay, Bobby, before we move on, why don't you tell folks out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group? Yeah, absolutely. John's a friend of the program. We appreciate him very much. Uh, John's a proud Texas X's Life member, served more than 15 years as a board member for the Texas X's. Uh, Longhorn Wealth team wants to welcome Jerry Hamilton back to coffee and football 
as it is great to have his expertise and passion back on the On Texas football team. Speaking of expertise and passion, that is exactly what John Donovan brings to the table as a certified financial planner who has spent more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. So please give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call, 972-707-4900, or visit longhornwealth.net for a free 90-minute consultation to explore how they can help you maximize and protect your tax-efficient retirement income. That's longhornwealth.net, 972-707-4900. Jerry, without sponsors like John, uh, you wouldn't be here. (laughs) Uh, Blake wouldn't be here and myself as well. So, uh, John, we do appreciate you guys uh, uh, taking care of us like you do. Yeah, a few things from the comment section. Honey Badger, it's Robertson's Beef Jerky from Loves is my favorite. Somebody asked about asked about DJ Sanders from Belleville, defensive lineman. Sark did go in to see him at Belleville before Kenny Baker was uh, named the uh, defensive line coach there. I like. I think if, if he's a fourth guy in a four-man D-line class, I, I, I like DJ Sanders more than if he was like one of two. I think he is a, he's got some talent for sure. He's got some size. I think he's farther away than anybody else that Texas is recruiting on the defensive line. I think his his ceiling, he's got farther to go to reach that, both technically, uh, physically, and everything that goes into that. I mean, he put up big stats. I mean, he dominated some guys in the region they were in. I, so the stats are a little misleading, I think, on him. I think he's a very talented football player, but I think his best football is way, way out in front of him. So if you're signing a three-, four-man defensive line class and he's your fourth guy – and you're kind of looking at him as a stash and develop player, I think he fits that more than if you're trying to recruit somebody that's going to come in and be impactful in the SEC. I don't see that being DJ Sanders. That doesn't mean he's not a good prospect. Uh, somebody also asked about musket recruits outside of KJ Lacey um, and Brandon Brown. There you go. I think, you know, it, that's an interesting conversation. I don't think there's a Colin Simmons this year, but I think one of the next two classes – Michael Fasusi or John Turntine, I think are very, very big deals uh, for Texas. Um, but what makes Fasusi a little bigger is if you lose out on him, the likelihood is he may go to Oklahoma or AM. So that, that could make that recruitment a little bigger than I give it credit for. Um, but I think the top prospect long term in the state of Texas is John Turntine, the 2026 left tackle at North Crowley. Uh, and I think he was. 24, 25, 26 is combined. I think he's the the top uh, long-term prospect in the state. And then Jerry uh, Shookland says, do you have any updates on Kelshawn Johnson and Khalid Lockett? Yeah, Kelshawn Johnson talked to a couple people. uh, Texas lean. Uh, He was out in Vegas playing seven on this weekend. Um, Look, he continues to get more recruiting attention. You know, even though Hitchcock's in that South Houston area, they don't get as much foot traffic. Now they are because the quarterback, Lloyd Jones, committed to Texas Tech. And some news that people may not know, Malcolm Simpson, the four-star defensive lineman from Galveston Ball, has enrolled at Hitchcock. And I think it's a great move for him from an academic perspective. So he's now at Hitchcock. So there's going to be a lot of foot traffic through Hitchcock this spring. Um, and Malcolm Simpson's one of those defensive linemen that has a very, like DJ Sanders, very high ceiling. He just got to get his academics taken care of. Um, I think this move is going to be good for him. But uh, Kelshawn Johnson, Texas lean. 
uh, headed into the spring evaluation period. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he likes the offense. I think he loves Sark. I think he likes the quarterback room. And I think he just likes where the Texas program's headed and going into the SEC. Oregon, Penn State, James Franklin's on him. Trev FaceTimes with him once every week or two. USC, Lincoln Riley was by. Mike Elko was by. Lane Kiffin. There's a lot of guys after Kelshawn Johnson. Texas in a good position. Kalik Lockett, a little bit more of a mystery there. Recruitment. He did not come attend the Texas Junior Day January 20th. I believe he's been to AM, a couple other places. Sark still went by at the end of the month in Dallas last week. Made a stop at Saxe uh, to see, spend some time with Kalik Lockett, which tells you how much Sark and Chris Jackson value him as a prospect. So we'll see this spring if they get him on campus. I bet they do. Hey, Jerry, I want to say this about the, the guys in the state of Texas that are the can't miss or whatever. And they mentioned, they start off by saying, what about Brandon Brown? Besides Brandon Brown and KJ Lacey, there's another guy out west, Jordan Davison, the running back. Yeah. A lot of their top-ranked guys are not from the state of Texas as part of the issue. Right. And, and so that's why you're not feeling that. Uh, I'd say Zion Williams. Uh, and I should have mentioned it because he's at Lufkin, and Lufkin produces some great recruiting battles in Texas. And this recruiting battle will be fun because Jamarcus McFarland, Zion Williams, talking about Zion Williams, 6'4", 305, 18 shoe, the junior defensive tackle at Lufkin. I couldn't believe how big his foot was when I went by there uh, during the season. I mean, I wear 13 and a half, and I was just shocked. Um, and he's, eight, he's an 18 wide foot too, man, big old, big old foot. But he's going to be a fun recruitment because Jamarcus McFarland is his uncle at TCU, the D-line coach. Who Jamarcus McFarland, one of the all-time great recruitments between Texas and Oklahoma, all-time great recruitment. It's not going to be that level, but Texas A&M values Lufkin High School, East Texas, um, and with Mike Elko, they're all in there. Texas, obviously, is all in there because there aren't many over-the-ball anchor players that have that 80-plus-inch wingspan, that upside that Zion has. And then he was at – he turned down the Texas Junior Day January 20th, partly because they didn't have a D-line coach, and went to LSU. Bo Davis has been by the school. He's all over. Georgia's offered. Alabama, the new staff, we'll see what they do. The old the prior staff had offered him. But this is going to be an SEC battle in Lufkin for a over-the-ball defensive lineman with SEC size. And it's going to be a fun recruitment uh, because anytime you get connections to a school, uh, like a Jamarcus McFarland, you're going to have Oklahoma try to get involved. When you have A&M, Texas, and LSU converging on East Texas for a high four-star player, those are good recruitments. They're fun. That's why we like this stuff. Two other guys in state to, to mention as not, not necessarily ringleaders, but guys to talk about, uh, Riley Pettijan. Out of yep. McKinney, the linebacker, Bo Barnes, linebacker out of Skyland. Yeah. Those, those are two other names to just kind of throw in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, there is some a ton of depth at linebacker in Texas in 2025, and that's not always the case. As we've moved to a predominantly spread football state in Texas, we kind of lost some of that. Uh, those linebackers play undersides edge guys to get after the quarterback, right? But this is a tremendous group of linebackers. Riley Pettis on at the top, Bo Barnes, every college head coach has been, it fe feels like has been through Dallas Skyline to see Elijah Bo Barnes. He was uh, at Oklahoma this weekend. He was at Texas. He's been to a and um, Ryan Day, every, Mike Norvell, they all stopped by the school at Skyline. Those two linebackers are about as good as you'll find in the country in this class. I think Riley Pettis probably a Texas lean over Auburn, FSU, uh, A&M, uh, some others. 
Um, I think Xavier Filsamy being at Texas helps a little bit there. Uh, Bo Barnes, Peter Jenkins is a linebacker coach at Dallas Skyline. Does that mean he's going to Texas? I don't think it does, but every time Bo Barnes, or Elijah Bo Barnes sends me a photo of him with other coaches, he has Texas wristbands on. That's always kind of interesting <laughs> to me. I think he likes Texas. Does that mean he's going there? No. But I think the linebacker group in this state is so deep. I love Jonathan Cunningham at North Crowley, who I was really happy Texas offered that guy. I thought he was way under-recruited, under-offered guy. He's 6'2 and a half, 185, 190 pounds, but 79, 80-inch wingspan, super instinctive guy, very smart player. He's starting to blow up. Um, I, so more people will be offering him now that Texas did. Then you saw Javar Thomas at Aldine Nimitz offered, uh, I believe that was Friday. Again, there's a type Coach Nansen's offering right now, those long-levered 6'2 and a half, 6'3 guys uh, that play outside linebacker in this class. So that was another offer by Texas. But there's so much depth at linebacker, and we're going to be talking about a lot of those guys in the state because there's a few positions where if schools evaluate well, you're talking Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, they're all going to get really good players at D-line, offensive line, linebacker, DB, and wide receiver out of Texas in 2025. All right, y'all. We're going to take a couple more questions before we get out of here. We got a super chat from Edmund Lee. He says, up to 36,000 subscribers. That's right. Thank you all for subscribing and tuning in every each and every day. We appreciate it. Excited about seeing how the spring game looks. Good morning from New Braunfels. Hook them horns, 2024. I spent a lot of days, a lot of summer days on the Comal River. I don't know about you guys. Yep. Uh, yeah, I love I love New Braunfels. If you all if you haven't had a chance to go down there, uh, that's that kind of brings me back some memories for me. Hey, by the way, maybe is this the most anticipated spring game for Texas since 04? Oh wow. I think Ben's first year was pretty exciting. People wanted to see the the new toy, right? You know what I mean? I think this one's going to another level because it's going to be Quinn and Arch taking the majority of the reps in the spring game. That's true. Ray Owens will mix in. But then you have two starters from Nick Saban's playoff team rolling right in, tied in, <laughs> uh, and wide receiver. Um, you, it, I just think – People are going to want to see Savay on the D-line. They're going to want to see Kenny Bryant uh, – sorry, coaching uh, Kenny uh, <laughs> Baker, coaching D-line. There is a – I think this coming off the playoff season, the move to the SEC, I think this is going to be the most anticipated spring game for all those reasons in about 20 years. It's time to have a party on spring, spring game for the spring game. We're going to do it. Yep. We're going to do it. So we'll, we'll make sure everybody knows what we're doing. Uh, for spring game and and uh, love it. Uh, what do y'all suggest looking for in the spring game? Interior defensive line, linebacker. I think it's going to be David Benda next to Anthony Hill, uh, as well as Maurice Mo Blackwell. And then maybe the biggest piece for me for spring, because I actually kind of have a feel for what they have at defensive tackle, is how they're going to manage the secondary. Where does Makuba go? Does Jade Barron actually play some corner or is he playing safety more? I I think that of all of the positions, I how Sark deploys the, the wide receivers, I've got a sense that he's going to mix and match everybody and they're going to they're going to kind of be positionless, except for the freshmen like Ryan Wingo, Jerry, and mm -hmm. Blake. But the secondary, how they've got a lot of different pieces they've got to go at. And so to Phil McIntosh's question there. 
the one thing that's most interesting to me in in uh, in 2024 spring ball, probably how they manage the secondary and what it's going to look like. Yeah, I agree with that. And by the way, that kind of factors into the, the spring game this year. 17 early enrollees. To Bobby's point, Wardell Mack, Xavier Filsamy, uh, Kobe Black, um, and then Jordan Johnson Rebell. Jordan Johnson Rebell, four of the five high school DBs, early enrollees. So not only is this spring game going to have all the things we talked about, there's 17 early enrollees, Colin Simmons and Trey Moore coming off the edge in the spring game. But to Bobby's point at DB, I totally agree. How are they going to, what Jalen Gilbo, Austin Jordan, how are all these pieces going to fit together? How are these, or are they going to, you know, they're going to cross train some guys, maybe not the corners early on, right? But they're going to cross train some of these older guys. But what, where does Jade Barron spend the most of his spring? Is it at nickel? How does that affect Makuba? What does Derek Williams look like as a sophomore? He didn't have a spring practice last year. Watch out for him. Jelani McDonald. There you go. Warren Roberson. A lot of pieces. And, and Bobby, that's another point to the spring game. We're getting, I'm getting excited for the spring game. It's April 20th. Somebody posted. We didn't see Billy Walton. Is Dalton Vosick healthy? Right? What, what is Neto going to look like? Is he going to look like a totally different player? Because the last three weeks of the season in practice, I heard he was looked like a totally different player. Cam Williams, a first-time starter. Trevor Goosby, after a redshirt year, 6'8", 320. Jaden Chapman, you're just start to see these recruiting classes grow up around this spring game. But obviously, Quinn and Arch are going to get the headlines and the guys that transferred in. But just think about 17 early enrollees, that number three ranked class, now a year in the program. Sadir Mitchell, what's he going to look like? This should be Jure Bledsoe's time. What's he going to look like? Hey, Jerry, one thing real quick. And Blake, you had this too. We were asked when the spring game will be. Okay, it's all it's April 20th. That that date is set in stone. But Texas has done a midday uh, midday uh, game. They've done a night game. They've done a mid afternoon game. One thing that is uh, to be said, Texas plays TCU in baseball that weekend in Austin. And that game is currently scheduled for 7 p.m. Is that accurate, Blake? Yes. So we think that the window is 12 to 12 to 5, basically. We don't know exactly what it'll be. I'm sure Chris Del Conte will tell us in the coming weeks. Hey, bring up VL, V Florida Texx because this is right up Bobby's alley. Bobby, you've said for a while, have you not, that what, why, why should there not be a scrimmage against a, te- a spring game against an opponent, a North Texas, a Texas state, like not as somebody you're going to play during the season, obviously? Why should there not be? I've been I've been for this forever. Um, and, you know, NFL teams do a couple days with a, an opponent, mm-hmm. just practice. Uh, they, they don't do it. And they, they used to be, well, money. Well, this. Well, that. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of those old, you know, excuses are turning out to just be excuses when it's a multi-billion dollar franchise. So I don't know why they don't. It's going to take some, you know, open minds to really get there. But I would love to see uh, a little bit of that. I think that there is some worry. I I will add this, though, Jerry and and Blake. Whereas I think that NFL players know they're not supposed to touch a quarterback. That's true. um, I don't know that high school slash early college players 
have that same kind of uh, mental fortitude uh, and understanding quite yet. And all of a sudden you get a guy going around there and, you know, hurts a couple people. And then you're, you're like, why are we playing this? You know, whereas our own team would know not to mess with it. Yeah. And that's true. The Texas state guy coming off the edge, wanting the portal up and making IL money. He's, he's going after Quinn. Okay. That, and that would be why though. And then the other part is you get you get more reps on your own team with a spring game, right? I mean, that's the other part of it. You do get more reps. But it doesn't have – here's my point, though. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be both. Right. Like, why does it have to be either or here? Like, you can, do, you can have your own spring game as well as have co-workouts with, I don't know, Texas State or, right. uh, you know, now that, now that Texas isn't playing Baylor. You know, I, those kind of those kind of things. I, Somebody I, asked if I misspoke. No, Trevor Goosby's 6'8", 315, 320 right now. Jeez. He was 6'6 and a quarter, 268, 270 at Under Armour camp in the spring of his junior year. And hey, way, his little brother's a really good basketball player. He's on the radar for Texas as well. He's got a few offers. Really good wing, 6'5 wing player. What were you going to say, Bobby? No, I was going to say uh, his dad, Trevor Guzzi's dad, is actually good friends with Duke Thomas. Y'all remember from yeah, Pop- yeah. Oak, played for the Longhorns a little bit in the NFL as well. That's, I saw them down in New Orleans uh, at the Sugar Bowl. Uh, they were hanging out together quite a bit. It was fun. All right, Bobby, before we get out of here, can you tell folks what they can expect later today right here on, on Texas Football and, of course, over on the website? Yep. Well, first of all, so Rod Babers, by the way, is probably – Two sheets to the wind right now. He's having his uh, wisdom teeth taken out, taken out today. Uh, and so he's going to be out of it for the next couple of days. So Jerry and CJ are doing talking ball later this afternoon. Uh, look forward to that. CJ Vogel will then join us again tomorrow morning. Uh, also, uh, please visit us uh, at ontexasfootball.com. If you haven't seen the website, uh, just go over there, check it out, visit uh, anything and everything uh, right now, and you'll see that we have. Uh, Articles being written, uh, insider notes, form is on fire a little bit. I love the uh, quality of the conversation right now uh, that we have on the uh, community pages. Uh, come over and visit us on texasfootball.com. Myself, Blake, Jerry, CJ, we're all in there talking football and Texas Longhorn Athletics each and every day. I really like the Twitter thread that Blake's been get, getting going uh, and keeping up. Basically, anything happens during the day on Twitter. Uh, Blake's creating kind of a repository for Texas fans to check in on it each and every day. Uh, I really like it. And I want to mention at the end before we go, because it was all football, huge basketball win Saturday at TCU. Texas is now four and four in quad one with quad one wins. They're four and four. They have four wins, three on the road, but four and four in those quad one games. People are two weeks ago. This team was out. If you looked at Joe Lenardi bracketology, they were outside the line. They're now firmly in the line. I mean, if you look at Bart Torvik, they're 22. If you look at some of those other rankings, 26, uh, they're 32 in NCAA net this morning. Um, So they're firmly in the NCAA tournament right now. But there's four games coming up for Texas. Iowa State at home tomorrow. If you're in Austin, want to see some great college hoops, I think it's going to be a hell of a game now. Um, Texas gaining confidence. They're playing through DSU and Acemas as they have to because if they do that, and every play plays complimentary off those guys, 
They can score 75 in talent-neutralized situations on the road or to neutral court in the NCAA tournament. They're starting to get this thing together, and certain Kendall Weaver defensively, I think, is taking some pressure off of Hunter and Acemas on the defensive end a little bit. Uh, but that two-man game with DSU to close out games and Acemas is so big for Texas. But if they can get, if they can beat Iowa State, which they haven't been good at home, let's be real, they have some bad losses at home. But if they can get over the hump at home and beat Iowa State, then you have West Virginia at home. You have a chance to go on a little three-game win streak and get over 500 in conference. Now you're going to Houston, and they're going to bully you around. That's not a good matchup. But then you have Kansas State at home right after that. So there's a five-game stretch coming up for Texas. If they can build off this TCU win on the road, they have three, two quad win, two, two quad one games in a row coming up, or two quad win games out of the next three. If they can win three out of the next four, suddenly they go from outside the tournament to a team that's going to be on the six, seven, eight seed line, probably six or seven. That's how fast things can change in the Big Twelve. What about, right. hey, didn't baseball didn't baseball have the alumni game this weekend? Uh, Dude, the team beat the alumni, yeah. right? Is yeah, that, everybody's acting like that's a big deal, Blake. Is that a big deal? That, that is a big deal. I mean, you know, because obviously the alumni, especially in Texas case, is full of MLB players, active right. MLB players. I mean, just a loaded team, talented, and uh, yeah, the Texas team came in there and put it on them. The alumni got kind of got an early start, and then uh, man, it was just it was just a great game, but. The season starts Friday, and then uh, we got a special guest on Friday as well who will talk about that with us, and it's going to be a good one right here on Coffee and Football. Hey, and by, by the way, for the high school football fans out there, and there's thousands on this channel, the high school track season in Texas got moved up a week. The state meet, everything got moved up a week. Um, so the track season actually starts this Friday. A lot of teams had practice meets last Thursday, Friday. The state, the, the the track season in Texas begins this Friday, so we'll start to talk about some of that. Who's putting up some numbers early on? Uh, but now a lot of kids will be transitioning. That transition from basketball to track now hurts those kids in basketball. Kelshawn Johnson at Hitchcock, who's Hitchcock's favored to go to state tournament basketball again. So that may set some of those guys back. Some of those sprinters that also play basketball, but the track season begins uh, this Friday, so you're going to see some of those throwers. Uh, I think start to put up some some guys that were in the 40s last year that we talk about here as prospects may start to inch closer to hitting that kind of that magic 50 number throwing the shot. Oh. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's edition of Coffee and Football. We got to thank John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group, along with Joy Mode, for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. The great questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. There were so many good ones, but. Be sure to join us tomorrow morning, and we'll we'll try to get to as many as we can. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.